Welcome to the Kingdom Influencing Podcast. I am your host, Derek L. Calhoun, the author of Press Into the Power. I hope you're enjoying this music that we have. Uh, This song is called Miracle from Sylvia Jones' latest music project, which is available online wherever music is sold or streamed. Or you can reach out to her on her website, www.sylviajones.com, helping you experience God's presence through contemporary worship. Listen, uh, before we get started today, I want to bring you just a quick note from our sponsor, Distinction Inc. Do you need custom t-shirts or hoodies? Look no further than Distinction Inc. From screen printing to embroidery, Distinction Inc. provides high-quality apparel and promotional items with stress-free customer service. Distinction Inc. also provides competitive pricing, especially for nonprofit organizations and churches. If you have any upcoming projects, they would love to earn your business and exceed your expectation. You can request a quote by visiting www.distinctioninc.com. Distinction Inc. We deliver results that make you say, wow. All right, let's get ready for the Kingdom Influencing Podcast. Welcome back, Kip Nation. This is, of course, the Kingdom Influencing Podcast, and I am your host, Derek L. Calhoun. I pray that you are making this podcast your favorite drive time podcast and i pray that your ears are ready to hear what the lord has given me as it relates to the new testament church i'm toggling back and forth between the new testament church and scripture and the modern new testament church and so my first two episodes were on the new testament church and scripture based on Colossians, and I plan to continue that series, but I'm going to be going backwards and forwards as the Lord leads me, and I'm doing these this uh, recording, the recording before and the recording after on the modern New Testament church. So I need you to hear and make the correlation between the two, but develop the foundation, the principles. When we look at history, we look at the principles by which our New Testament church is founded on. We look at its original intent. When we look at modern day New Testament church, we look at the ability to read the scripture as a historical reference and as a light to our pathway, a light into our feet, a guide to direct us in this era and see how it relates to our modern day living and how do we apply the scripture The power of the scripture is in your ability to apply it to everyday life. So we'll talk more about that later. But right now, I want to get into this topic, cancel culture in the postmodern New Testament church. Cancel culture in the postmodern New Testament church. In the world today, we often find cultural opposites in operation using cocaine to get high rather than to heal, using guns to kill rather than to protect, using language to degenerate, to curse, to harm, 
rather than using language to communicate hope, love, and encouragement. And then in this postmodern era, a culture has been created that lacks respect for historical tradition or perspective and authority. It has been determined that we lack proper measurements or standards for making decisions of right versus wrong as if all of the history, all of the tradition, all of the former perspectives are dissipated. No, they're, they're still here. But simply because this era chooses not to adhere to the legitimacy and morality of scripture or the law of government or the wisdom of the sage elders who have been there and done that. The morality of right versus wrong has been challenged in this era and replaced with what we call moral relativism. Moral relativism is the idea that there is no universal or absolute set of moral principles. It is the version of morality that advocates to each his or her own and those who follow it say, who am I to judge? Moral relativism is the absence of standards that give order to the question or argument surrounding right versus wrong. It will always be wrong to rape women or men and to violate their sanctity to satisfy an immoral impulse. I could go on and on creating scenarios like that one that are morally wrong and insensitive, but that is not the crux of the issue of today's conversation. Instead, it is just a backdrop for my podcast today. Today, we're going to have a crucial conversation about cancel culture. Let's talk about cancel culture for just a minute so we can at least have a framework for this conversation. This culture Cancel culture is an offspring of moral relativism because it gives people the right to make decisions about how relative a thought, a brand, an idea, or person may be based on public opinion and public opinion alone. This public opinion may or may not have any preconceived basis for decision making outside of feelings, sentiment, or emotional disdain. Usually, cancellation is made in a herd effect, herd effect, where a select group of dominant voices or personalities herd or corral less dominant opinions into a single thought mass that then cancels an individual or a thought or a program or a brand or etc. based on the opinion of a loud minority controlling the silent majority. For those of you who aren't aware, cancel culture refers simply to the mass withdrawal of support with public figures or celebrities who have done things that aren't socially accepted today. And I understand that in some contexts, uh, cancel culture can be used properly. It can be used with sensitivity, it can be used in a proper format, but it can also be abused. It can be abnormally used against people because you don't think what they're saying has any credence. So here, here it is. This practice of canceling or mass shaming often occurs 
on social media platforms such as Twitter, Instagram, or Facebook, or any other public platform that you can use in social media. But I want to say this to you. There's absolutely nothing under the sun. Cancel culture has been being used for a long time. And the reason cancel culture is so relevant for the New Testament church is because most of the things that a Christian will say in this modern era are being canceled by public sentiment. Everybody can say whatever they want to say and and do whatever they want to do. But I've been in settings, if you just mention something about the Christian faith or you mention the name of Jesus, you can talk about any other religious figure except Jesus. We cannot allow ourselves to be pushed in a corner where Jesus becomes irrelevant or Jesus becomes some silent, unnecessary religious effort that we need to only use on a Sunday morning. No, Jesus should be our lifeblood. This lifeblood of the Christian faith is not a Sunday morning thing. It cannot be locked up. It cannot be boxed up. It cannot be put in a corner. It cannot be uh, ostracized. It cannot be made to be embarrassed because I believe in Jesus. Some people believe in frogs. Some people believe in dolphins. Some people believe in stars. Some people believe in the moon. Some people believe in the tide. But I believe in Jesus. And I ought to be and you ought to be able to express that belief without being ostracized because your belief is unpopular. So here's something that should help us as New Testament believers. All right. I'm going to read just something from Luke 4. 14 to 30, and I want to really emphasize this, that cancel culture is not a new thing. The scripture says there's nothing new under the sun. So this is not new. This happened to Jesus. Let me show you in Luke 14, 14 to 30. I'm going to read from the message version of the Bible uh, to make it very clear. It'll read very quickly, but you will get an understanding of what I'm saying. Jesus returned to Galilee, powerful in the spirit. News that he was back spread through the countryside. He taught in their meeting places to everyone, everyone's acclaim and pleasure. He came to Nazareth when he had been raised, as he always did on the Sabbath. He went to the meeting place. When he stood up to read, he was handed the scroll of the prophet Isaiah. They gave him the scroll. Unrolling the scroll, he found the place where it is written. God's spirit is on me. He's chosen me to preach the message of the good news to the poor. Sent me to announce pardon to prisoners and recovery of sight to the blind. To set the burden and battered free. To announce this is God's time to shine. He rolled up the scroll, handed it back to the assistant, and he sat down. Every eye in the place was on him intent. Then he started in. You just heard scripture make history. It came true just now in this place. All who were there watching and listening were surprised at how well he spoke. But they also said, here comes cancel culture. Isn't this Joseph's son? The one we've known since he was just a kid. 
So now here is the public sentiment that a carpenter's son could not have this kind of credibility or this kind of credence to speak to us, particularly since we've known him since he was a kid. So Jesus responded to them. He answered, I suppose you're going to quote the proverb, Dr. Go Heal Yourself. Do here in your hometown what we heard you did in Capernaum. Well, let me tell you something. No prophet is ever welcome in his hometown. Jesus is clearly aware that being uh, from this particular area would be to his disadvantage. Whenever we're around people who are familiar with us, they label us and they cancel us. They labeled him the carpenter's son rather than the son of God. Isn't it a fact that there were many widows? So Jesus begins to talk. Isn't it a fact that there were many widows in Israel at the time of Elijah? During that three and a half years of drought, when famine devastated the land, but only the widow to whom Elijah was sent in Sarapata in Sidon. And there were many lepers in Israel at the time of the prophet Elijah, but the only one cleansed was Naaman the Syrian. That set everyone in the meeting place seething with anger. Because, you know, they felt like, what are you trying to say? But what Jesus was saying, Nathan was healed because he received what God said to him. The widow survived the famine because she received what God said to her. So what I'm saying is God used the prophet Elijah and used the prophet Elijah, but you got to receive what's being said. If you receive what's being said, you'll live. If you denounce what's being said, you'll suffer the consequences of your denouncement. At any rate, everyone now, here's this cancel culture, really getting going because Jesus has now said something that in their opinion is offensive to them. And so they threw him out, banishing him from the village, then took him to a mountain cliff at the edge of the village to throw him to his doom. But he gave them the slip and was on his way. When God blesses you, when you are a spokesperson for him, no weapon that's formed against you shall prosper. And there are times when we say things that may offend people, but there's a difference between offending people with the intent to destroy them rather than offending people with the attempt to make them think and change their perspective. Jesus was only trying to change their perspective and to get them to see that his father was now the chief word spoken in the kingdom and his interpretation of the scripture would supersede that of those who have gone before him and those who are in the synagogue and that, and I, I need to say this, they needed to make a decision rather to listen to the men who said they were the representatives of God in the earth or to listen to God himself. For any man or any woman would represent God in the earth, 
then what they say and what God said should be in the exact same vein. So when cancel culture comes, you stand on the word of God. You remember that God's got your back. He's your shield. He's your buckler. He's your reward. You move forward. You do what you need to do and let God do the rest. You've been listening to the Kingdom Influencing Podcast. I'm your host, Derek L. Calhoun. I pray that you've been blessed by this message and I pray that you go and influence the nations. God bless.